Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Well, Richard, it's good to see you again. Well, thanks, Ab. Good to see you. Excellent, excellent. Well, this is uh, one of the the podcast series that we get a lot of feedback on, and, and I know a lot of people appreciate uh, what we do when we go through uh, leadership book reviews. Yeah. And um, so this week, if, if you've been following along, today we're talking about uh, the Leadership Challenge by... Uh, Blanking on the name. Coots and Posner. Coots and Posner. I, I, should, I probably should have <laughs> I'm here that. for you, Sam. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's what would I, what what would this podcast be without <laughs> it's you? A monologue, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, uh, so they they cover a pretty broad spectrum, yeah. and, and I know they have several editions. I I read the fourth edition. I think you have the third third, yeah, third so edition, you're ahead of and me. I think. I think there are up to six now. I think I, I looked online and I think there's a sixth edition of this book. Oh, okay. So it's, I think it's used quite often in, in text as a textbook for, it is. Yeah. for many universities and, and business schools. So, yeah. you know, I think any edition would be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you it keeps read. growing too. I think they keep getting bigger. Yeah. Well, the one, the, the fourth edition that I read, they, they said that they had trimmed it back because it had gotten, it's kind of ballooned, hmm. and so the fourth edition turned back. But I imagine it's probably expanded again. Yeah, so I you must know. have gotten one of the ex- third is pretty pretty big books. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the fourth is is definitely smaller than, oh, okay. than the one that you have. But hey, you know, <laughs> it's all good. Um, so tell us about this book. What what's your what's your takeaways yeah. on this? Well, uh, it's called the the leadership challenge, and I, I think that's a that's an appropriate term. Mm-hmm. I think challenge it has been proven to be for a lot of leaders. I might just say that uh, they've written several other books uh, that that kind of are uh, have uh, been spawned from the original yeah. book, and they're, and they're a very well known name in the. They leadership are. fields and yeah. uh, and so they read in the several that for instance one of the books they wrote afterward is is called credibility and uh, in their leadership challenge book they have a whole section on credibility and yeah. so then they it was so important that they came back with a whole book just on that they've got another one called encouraging the heart uh, and again, another—it's a whole book on just how to encourage the heart of your employees, and that's which a, I think that's, was that a whole chapter, I think. Or, yeah, that's or a whole a, section. Whole section. Uh, one of the the five major things or practices mm-hmm. that leaders do, and so again, there's just there's so much material there that they, they spawn a whole book. <laughs> um, there's another book called A Leader's Legacy, which is uh, again just talking about kind of the influence you have long term over time and uh, a legacy that you leave behind you. And then uh, the last book I've got uh, from them is The Truth About Leadership. Uh, and so I've got five books all together uh, from them and I've read them all. Uh, they're all secular books. Uh, there's a few things I would take issue with just because they don't uh, take God into account uh, or the Bible necessarily. But uh, but if you just want an uh, all-purpose uh, leadership book from a secular perspective that covers a lot of the different things that leaders yeah. do. Yeah, it, this it, is not I a noticed it, it. It did cover quite a lot of ground. Yeah, and I've taught even some uh, doctor of ministry seminars and uh, at that level that uh, would use this as a textbook, at mm-hmm. least one of the textbooks from a secular perspective. And so uh, certainly not a bad book to be aware of. If you want to just cover a lot of bases with one book, right. then the Leadership Challenge certainly is one of those. Yeah, and so uh, it, it's 
sort of has a it's five practices or five principles yeah. that they talk about. Um, why, why don't we just dive into those and if sure. you can break yeah, those down for and us. Some of these, of course, we could go pretty deep into, but... Uh, it, they obviously did because... Yeah, they, <laughs> they've got whole books about it. <laughs> yeah, they've spawned uh, off entire books. A couple of the... Well, the five practices that uh, they would say a leader does, first one is they would say they model the way. Uh, in other words, you, you don't just talk about what you want people to do. You've got to model it. You, the, the, your greatest influence is going to be your example. Right. Uh, so if you want to create uh, a, a culture of humility, you're going to have to model humility. If you're going to want everyone to be honest and authentic, uh, you've got to do that. And so uh, it's amazing how many times leaders want to behave one way, but they want all their people to behave a different way. Yeah, what, what does that do as I say, not as I do? Yeah, and because, well, I'm up in the, the top office, so it's different for me. But yeah. you folks on the, on the uh, shop floor, you need to behave this way. So model the way. Uh, the second one is inspire a shared vision. And we can, uh, we can talk, um, a lot about that, but, uh, they, they talk quite a bit about vision and mm -hmm. the fact you have to inspire it. Uh, as a leader, you've got to be inspirational in one sense. And of course, not everybody gives, uh, inspirational kinds of speeches. They're not all charismatic, but, uh, there's a lot of ways in which a vision can inspire people, yeah. whether you're a great storyteller or whatever else. Uh, yeah. And but, charisma isn't the only way to inspire people either. Yeah. And, you know, and even charisma, there's different ways to have it. You know, right. some people just exude personality and charm and they enter a room and everybody notices them. But there's other ways where just as you get to know someone, you just become very uh, trusting and loyal to them. And, uh, and it's a, sh and they, they call it a shared vision which means it can't just be the leader's vision. If, if it's not shared, then it's never going to take the, lead, the organization very far. And they, they make a couple of interesting comments. Uh, they, now, one thing that they would say about vision that would, uh, you might challenge from a Christian perspective is that they say that vision must come from within. Of course, they don't, they're not counting on God on this. So they're not sure. expecting God to give a vision or a revelation. Uh, this would be a classic kind of secular approach to vision, which would say that the leader basically needs to come up with the vision. And then the leader needs to communicate the vision and he needs to, the, the leader needs to get people to buy into it. And so if you want to get kind of the classic um, model for vision, then this book gives it. Uh, that, that would be one point I'd push back on the book to say as a Christian, it, it shouldn't, come from you. It should come from God and God will then help you to share it. And it should be shared. People should buy into it, but, um, you, uh, but there's, you can get it from God. Another thing it says is, uh, the third one is challenge leaders challenge the process. Um, and that, that's kind of the difference in some ways I would, I would think between a manager and a leader, a, a manager just perfects the process, right? They, they grease the wheels of the process, but they basically keep doing the process. Mm -hmm. A leader says, is this even the right thing to be doing? Of course, the classic difference in saying managers do the things right and leaders do the right things. Right. Uh, leaders ask, is this even the right thing anymore? Maybe it was five years ago, but is it still the right thing to do? And so leaders are the ones that have to go around saying, I know we've done it that way for a long time. But is that really effective anymore? 
And of course, that takes a lot of courage. It's just easier just to keep doing the same things, even if you're getting uh, diminishing results. Uh, the authors say leaders are pioneers. Um, and he says uh, they're all, they, they have to be willing to explore new territory. Uh, otherwise, yeah. in time, with, with so much change taking place, you're going to end up getting left behind. Yeah, I like what they, um, I think they talk about that in, in, in that part of the book. The people you're leading are, are looking at, you know, the day-to-day stuff. But, you're, you know, you're having to look as a leader. You know, you can't look at tomorrow. You're, you're supposed to be looking, you know, one, five, ten years into the future and trying to figure out what is what is the organization going to look like then not yeah. just this quarter or next quarter yeah otherwise you know your your organization is perfectly equipped to do the tasks of yesterday but not yeah. of, of today or tomorrow and so yeah you've got to that's why you've got to pull yourself away from some of the daily grind to look a little bit farther afield and yeah. to say yeah we're very you know so f- for instance if you're making uh horse and buggy carriages, uh, you can be doing it really well, but when those motor cars start driving down the road, yeah. you could be the best people yet at, at you know, horse-drawn carriages, but uh, that efficiency in building those is going to become obsolete when now there's a new trend uh, coming fast and furious. So, so you challenge the process. Fourth, you enable others to act, which is a large part of leadership. It's, it's, it's multiplying yourself. Leadership is not right. about, again, how much you get done, but how much you enable others to do. And so great leaders are people who get the resources, the supplies, the training, the education, whatever is required to enable your people to get the job done. Uh, great leaders, great generals were known for supplying their troops well so they could fight well, they could march well. Uh, if you, if the, if you're undersupplied, then it doesn't matter how great your vision is. You just, you're not going to get the job done. You know, I think you mentioned this in a, in a previous podcast, but you know, leaders should be multiplying and not adding. Yeah. And, and I think that's really speaks to, you know, if you enable those, the people that, that are following you, you know, that has a multiplying effect, not just adding, yeah. you know, and, and of course people want to work with someone who's going to enable them to be successful. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. I mean, that's, that, that's energizing yeah. to, to work for someone who, who enables you to do what it is that, that, you know, you've been put there to do whatever that your job is or. What yeah. Have it's, you. it's one thing to be given really high demands. Hey, I need all this performance and these results from you Now go get it done. But you don't have the resources, the yeah. personnel, the budget, the training, uh, but when the boss comes and says, look, what will it take? What do you need to get this job done? Which I feel like that that's something that I think a lot of leaders struggle with. Yeah. I think that's, I would say, one of the hardest things to do because that requires that letting go of of processes and letting go of stuff and, and allowing your people to, to actually do the stuff. And that, that can be scary as a leader, I think. Yeah, and I think sometimes leaders are just in such a hurry to move on and get the results that they're not willing to wade into the details of, you know, let's figure out what it will take. Let's, right. let's, let's stay with this long enough to make sure that everything's in place. Uh, and the last one, the fifth one is... Uh, encourage the heart. And, and this is kind of an interesting one. Of course, there's a whole book that they wrote uh, subsequently called Encouraging the Heart. And, uh, and which, which on the face sounds kind of soft yeah, in, in the leadership. Like this is a secular book. In fact, even later in this uh, Leadership Challenge book, they'll, they'll uh, wrap it up by talking about uh, the, the, the most important quality perhaps of a leader is to love their people and to love their work. And you think, wait a minute, this, this is a secular book? 
I thought that this sounds like a Christian book. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> which which is interesting because before that they say it's that's it's crucial also for leaders to have humility. And uh, w- you know I always kind of laugh because so much of what is seen as secular books when secular people discover, you know, when they discover cutting edge new leadership techniques, like you need to have integrity uh, or you need to love your people. It's like, yeah. wow, this is cutting edge. This is, this is rocket science now. Yeah. But you realize, well, the Bible was saying that yeah. 2000 or more years ago. And so often what happens with some of these secular books is that they discover what the Bible has been saying for a long time. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's partly why you can still benefit from a lot of secular books because a lot of their best points that they make are coming, really, they're just biblical principles. And so yeah. when they talk about encouraging the heart, uh, they're saying, and again, from a secular perspective, if you are not speaking right to the soul, to the heart of your people and helping meet their need. And one of the, one of the things that they say is that there's a deep need within people to be a part of something bigger than themselves, yeah. to be doing something of significance with their life. And so to, to encourage the heart means, uh, make, make it more than they're just punching a time clock but they're actually engaged in something that speaks to their heart, to their personal needs as a human being, to not just be killing eight hours every day simply for a paycheck, uh, but to be appreciated, to be thanked, uh, even to be loved and uh, by the people that, uh, that they work with. And so those are the five uh, key things and the five sections in which this book is yeah. kind of built around. Well, good. Well, let's, let's break here and then uh, we'll wrap up. Twice a year, Black Bean Ministries hosts a spiritual leadership coaching workshop in the Atlanta area. The focus of this workshop is learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. The next workshop is May 6th through 8th, and registration is now open. The early bird rate is available until April 1st, and space is limited. To find out more and to register, visit blackbeecoaching.org. Links will be in the show notes. So, Richard, you, you touched on this before the break, but... Um, uh, these guys have done extensive surveys. They've been studying leadership for quite a long time, and uh, they they surveyed a lot of workers and asked them what characteristic uh, do they look for in a leader, and uh, what was the what was the main characteristic that kept coming up. Well, you know, that was interesting because they have surveyed thousands of people who lead who serve under various leaders in various uh, industries and businesses, and uh, they said uh, there's there's they listed five. Uh, characteristics that came up the most. The 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 fifth one was there that the leaders inspiring. Mm-hmm. They inspire people to follow. The fourth one is that the leaders are competent. They're good at what they do. Third one is they're forward looking. In other words, they're visionary. Uh, you don't want to think I've got four here. <laughs> so <laughs> all right. So the, the fourth, the first one is uh, that they're honest. Hmm. And interestingly, they that honesty always comes out as number one. And so the followers have said, if I can't trust what my leader's saying, if I don't trust what they're doing, uh, I can't follow them. And so honesty, authenticity, that's really where they kind of pull out their whole book on credibility. Mm-hmm. They would say, you got to be credible. Uh, and interestingly, they also say that if you lose your credibility, uh, if you do something that, you know, you, you sacrifice your integrity, that they said it's it's pretty well impossible to get that credibility back. Hmm. Uh, it's it's something that's hard earned and easily lost. And so to to value that credibility. And if if people aren't following you, I've, I've had leaders all the time say, "Well, I'm doing all this, and but people aren't following me." 
uh, one of the first questions I would want to ask is, well, how credible are you? Hmm. You may think you're credible, but the results of your followers seems to indicate that they don't seem to think so because they don't seem all that uh, eager to follow you. So don't assume it's all on them. If no one wants to follow you, it may be that when people look at you, they don't see anything that uh, it compels them and inspires them to follow. And so that honesty is uh, is a key one. Yeah. Now there's just a number of other things uh, they that they say. A couple of things that you know I just I'm just toss a few things out. This is like a 400 page book, and so yeah. Could you just condense that down? Yeah. So we just kind of I, don't, I don't want to have to take the time to actually read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, for those of you who don't want to take all the time to read it. Uh, a couple of things I, I tossed out. The one thing, by the way, they are they big on stories. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I may have cited this before, but uh, uh, they said they, they there are actually studies done of trying to communicate information, and they actually brought in a group of uh, engineers, and they first of all they just they just talked to them, just told them information, and uh, and then they brought in the same group and they showed powerpoints with. PowerPoint slides. And the third one was they told stories. And then they came back to this group and they tried to ask, to find out how much of that information was remembered that they could recall. And hands down, the the, the people who use stories, their information was remembered better than PowerPoints or just talking and giving data. And this was to an audience of engineers that you would think were kind of data savvy and data centric. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but they said even, even engineers prefer stories and not just prefer them, but they remember them. They can recall the information from a story. So I thought that was very, uh, very interesting that they would, um, highlight the, the power of storytelling as a leadership tool. Uh, and, and so there's uh well, and I, th- I think a cool thing that they mentioned is it's not just storytelling for a, a better future or for a vision, but it's even storytelling to uh, sort of enable adoption of, of core principles of your business. You know, they, you know, if you incorporate stories into every aspect of, of what it is you want your people to be like or do, then, then that has a much better higher return than, than just saying, Hey, here's a note card with yeah. you know, who we are. And, what I, we do. and I think a great leader, there's a story attached to most every value of a, of an organization. Right. If you, if you think these are five things, our organization values, there ought to be a story attached to everyone that, that symbolizes that. And, uh, so they would say, you know, stories are so memorable. So if you say that, uh, you know, being a team player is important, and then you've got a great story about how someone sacrificed their own personal desire to be part of a team, and and then everybody remembers that, and yeah. it keeps it can all rehearse that or or tell it. Uh, they they say several things that are interesting. They said, for instance, you need to be good at celebrating, and they said, in fact, yeah. at least once a year, you need to be celebrating stuff because celebrations kind of mark beginnings and endings, and uh, they give some some kind of context and. Uh, of course, it goes back to encouraging the heart as well to say that that leaders need to be really good at uh, celebrating victories and successes and celebrating people, affirming people. They say uh, the interesting thing, they said a leader's job is to keep the projector focused. I've always liked that phrase. Mm, yeah. They're saying that the, the leader gets to control the projector. In other words, you, you determine where people focus, uh, where they're looking. And so yeah. what you put up on the, you know, you shine up onto the, the, the screen 
it determines now uh, what what the discussion is about, what the focus is on. So you, you if you can get people to focus on the right things, they'll start talking about the right things, thinking about the right things, and aiming at the right things. And so uh, you make sure, but if but you can also get hijacked pretty easily. And so, for instance, I tell uh, leaders all the time, don't let your critics hijack your leadership. Yeah. And what happens a lot of times is that the leader has a vision of where they need to go, but then they get attacked. And all of a sudden, they're more focused on their critics and what they're saying and trying to defend themselves and answer their critics and to offer rebuttals. And all of a sudden, they're, they're not keeping the projector focused anymore. Now, yeah. now the critics have taken over uh, the agenda. And you're not talking about the right things anymore. Uh, so I thought that was a, a good one. They said uh, leaders animate the vision and make manifest the purpose so that others can see it, hear it, taste it, touch it, and feel it. Uh, in other words, you can't just tell just uh, uh, a vision statement once. You, you can't just even appeal just to one of their senses. You want them to see the vision. You want to hear it. You want them to taste it. You want them to it to be real to them, to touch it, to feel it. And I, I think that goes back to the when they talk about celebrating. I think they even used uh, one of the stories they had was, I think, like a stuffed, some sort of stuffed animal or like a stuffed giraffe that <laughs> get passed around the office, you know, to recognize, you know, exemplary uh, work of, of each team, team member. And so that was even just a physical sort of tactile yeah. way to say, yeah. you know, uh, you know, this is, we're going in the right direction. And yeah. And it's amazing how creative it's, you can be, yeah. but to, 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 to lodge it into somebody's memory. Yeah. It's, it's those things that I th- they kept saying, you know, it sounds silly, but this stuff actually, yeah, actually works. Yeah. It's well with people and with grown adults sometimes it's, yeah. the things you do. Uh, it, it, they say that leaders are always strive to be positive and, and they go into a, a great section on just using words wisely. Uh, for instance, don't say I'll try, but I will, I won't try to be, I, I won't try to, you know, listen more to the grassroots uh, concerns. I will, uh, it, it, be, use words that are definitive, that are positive, that don't leave you loopholes that are that have power to them some words are just wishy-washy some words are just really bland and if you're not careful if you just keep using bland words all the time you become a bland leader uh use words that have impact uh there's different things uh they they, they make a, a great uh, statement in saying success breeds failure failure breeds success and uh, we've talked about that before uh, you know, success can be the most dangerous things for leaders. Yeah. Uh, it, it creates uh, pride and hubris. Well, you know, what do you think is, because we also say that, you know, small wins sort of generate bigger wins. Yeah. So there's sort of this, you know, and I've heard both, and I agree with, with both takes on it, but how do you sort of um, justify both of those? Yeah, well, you, because if all you, I mean, you can say, well, yeah, you learn from failure. Well, that doesn't mean you just want a whole string of failures. <laughs> well, sure, yeah. You know, if you just keep failing all the time, you might be a well-educated, unemployed leader. You know? <laughs> but uh, So you've got to have successes. It's just you got to learn how to handle those successes well. Right. And you, you certainly can unpack and learn from successes as well. A, a series of small wins creates momentum, and momentum is uh, just uh, invaluable. 
Yeah. Know, once you've got momentum going, it's amazing how many things start falling into place. You know, good good team members want to jump on board now, and and new opportunities come your way, and people start to see that you're on the rise. Uh, so you you want that momentum, and you and you gain so much credibility as a leader with yeah. a string of successes. Just be careful with those because with right. a string of successes can lead to failure if you don't handle them right. One or two last things just to mention before we're out of time. They, they have an interesting phrase about eliminate the dumb things. <laughs> and they would just say that, you know, in any kind of organization, things start just creeping in that are just, they're dumb. <laughs> they would say they just, uh, they're harmful, but no one thinks about them. It's just the way it's been done or it's just carelessness. No one has addressed them or maybe it's embarrassing even to point this out at this point. Don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So we just let stuff go. And in time, culture gets kind of permeated with some dumb things that just need to be eradicated. But yet, but leaders are the ones who will say that. Leaders are the ones who have the authority and the credibility to say, hey, why are we doing this? This is crazy. We're, yeah. th- no one likes this. This, is, this isn't fruitful or effective. Uh, and one other thing just to say is, I thought was interesting is they talk about some myths that are leadership myths that people assume but are not necessarily true. And uh, one of the myths that they talk about is the fact that uh, it's common uh, practice to say you shouldn't get close to your associates. You shouldn't become friends with the people you work with. Yeah. That you need to keep a professional distance and so on, that you can become compromised or you, you don't ever appear like you're playing favorites or, you know, you, you need to keep a professional sort of a st- sterile kind of relationship with your the people. But, you know, they make a good point, which I've always agreed with. You you can't love people and not get close to them. Yeah. You know, I I know pastors who who practice that, pastors who try not to get too close to their people. And I'd like, well, how how can you love people? How could you lay your life down for people and yet not be close to them? Yeah. Uh, You can't love somebody and not be close to them. You, You can't love people and not enjoy being around them and to share yourself with them and, and care about them and show interest in them. And likewise, then let them in on your life. Uh, you have to obviously have some wisdom with that. But, uh, but I, I love the fact that they say that's just a myth. Uh, and this is, again, this is a secular book. It's not a Christian book. They're just saying good leadership that gets great results typically happens uh, when leaders uh, actually care about their people and um, and get close to them and that's when people become loyal that's when they share honestly that's when they trust you that uh, they can take risks and uh and 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 follow their instincts and 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 sometimes experience failure and yet know that you you care about them and uh that they trust you with that so lots of um, lots of good points that they bring out in this book as i said it's it's written to be a textbook so they try to cover the waterfront uh, some of these other books narrow in on just one topic, uh, but if you're looking for just kind of an overall secular uh, book on leadership that pretty well covers all the major leadership bases, then uh, certainly this is a great book for that. And uh, I think if you just are trying to catch up on some leadership reading, this will introduce you to a lot of the topics that uh, generally get addressed all the time. Yeah, definitely. So, Richard, before we go uh, for our next book review, yes. what what shall we read? Well, there's so many things, so many leadership books. <laughs> oh, I know, books. I know. Well, we, you uh, know, we choose. have like... It's, it's like, which one of my children should I talk about next? <laughs> uh, but uh, you know what I think we should do? Let's, uh, 
Let's read some Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. He's written several. I've got at least, I think, five of his books. Uh, but we'll probably focus in on the five dysfunctions of a team. And he's. I'll, I'll probably draw on some of his other books, too. That's what I typically do with m- people who've written more than one book. But Yeah, as, we, as we've seen. <laughs> uh, but Lencioni, is, uh, he's uh, famous for writing kind of uh, leadership parables or stories. Yeah. And so uh, it, it's a different way of writing, but it's quite effective. He's mastered that, where he tells you a story, a leadership story that... that pulls out all the leadership issues he wants to address. Yeah. And then at the end of the book, he goes into more formal uh, picking it apart and so on. But it makes it interesting reading because you're yeah. reading an int- an engaging story about a, a leader who's dealing with real life issues. Uh, so uh, pick up Patrick Lencioni, uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll look at that one next. And if you see any of his books, uh, I've, I usually just pick up what he's written and they're they're typically pretty good and uh, useful but it's a different leadership style and you might enjoy it because it kind of puts some fiction into non-fiction in, in one book and unpacks some great leadership truths well great thanks for listening to the podcast if this is something you enjoyed review us on apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends if you have questions or comments please email us at podcast at blackby.org